Man, the clock can't claw his way back into the lineup. The New York Knicks are shocking the Cavs. And Steph Curry says, turn off that damn beam. Darkness is spreading. I rose a panda. This is a clinic. All NBA podcasts. I have the one hooligan with me. Ooh. JJ, how you living, my friend? Oh, you know me. I'm feeling good, dude. I'm feeling good. We're missing both Sammy and John, but me and JJ are going to run a two-man pod tonight. And of Gotta course, Gotta rep. of course, we get to rep our team, the Golden State Warriors, who just evened up this series 2-2 against the Sacramento Kings. This last game was exciting. As always, 126 to 125. JJ, I gotta ask you, as Steph Curry accidentally does a Michigan Wolverine thing <laughs> and calls a timeout when we have no more timeouts, De'Aaron Fox hits a three. What's like going through your brain at this time? Is it doom and gloom? Is it you're still hopeful? You still think we're gonna pull this off? What's happening in like that exact moment? I have. Two parts of my brain going crazy. I have the part of my brain where I'm thinking, this is what I've seen the Warriors do all year. Oh, Choke no. <laughs> within the final minutes. It reminded me of a couple games, like the Pacers, oh, yeah. Magic, and I'm like, not now, please. Not during the playoffs. And then the other side of me was thinking, hey, they're the Warriors. This is the playoffs. They're going to pull this one out. And don't worry. They have the ultimate warrior on the other side in HB40 Harrison Barnes. <laughs> and lo and behold, <laughs> once a warrior, always a warrior. And Harrison Barnes came through for the Warriors. Which oh I'm, my gosh. Which I bet we're going to talk about in a little bit. I just want to, I, I want to hear, I'm going to break that play down a little bit, okay? So okay. we go on the other side, we're on offense, um, we're, we're up by one. Steph Curry gets a good look at the rim. He basically has this floater that he nails like a hundred times out of, you know, 110. And he ends up missing that one. They get a timeout, which I thought was a mistake. I thought that the Sacramento Kings, they should have just let that play run. I don't know why they would let Steve Kerr set up his defensive oh like his half course defense and let them game plan interesting okay you know what i mean like i like why wouldn't you just freestyle that you've been running this whole series right you've been trying to play fast and he decides to take a timeout instead and drop a play okay that was mistake number one mistake number two De'Aaron fox can't get free and he hits a wide open pass to harrison barnes as that shot goes up, do you ever think that shot's going in? I did. Because I was thinking, this is the ultimate clap back at the Warriors if he were to hit this shot. This is the shot that let him go to get KD and basically turn the dynasty into an ultimate run with Kevin Durant and now um, with this new version of last year. So I thought for like the folklore of Harrison Barnes and what he's been through, he was going to hit it, but he didn't. Yeah. And 
to the to his credit though, he's been balling this this whole series, man. And he's actually yapping back, especially at Draymond. So he's showing a side of him that I think the Warrior fans wish he had during the 2016 finals. Props to Harrison Barnes, but hey man, when the situation is needed and he needed to come through, he didn't. Yeah, but I did I did want to pick your brain on that. Like I know you said that you thought that they should have called a timeout or not call a timeout, right? Yeah. Now, let it run. I didn't mind that they called a timeout because Darren Fox did get the ball way in the backcourt and started his offense. Mike Brown started his offense from there. I thought where the uh, Kings messed up was that why was Harrison Barnes and the other guard of the Kings on the wing Draymond is waiting for you on help defense on the corner uh, of the key. Get the hell out of the way. Wait baseline and have Darren Fox cook whoever's guarding him on the top and go to your mid-range game. That was their mistake, I feel. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that sort of surprised me too because Mike Brown is like a defensive coach and you would Mm -hmm. think that he wouldn't want... De'Aaron Fox to be at the teeth of the defense because De'Aaron Fox, even though he's been like pretty decent from range, you like everyone knew that he was going to try to drive the ball on Steph Curry once he got that switch. So I, I 100% agree with you. We have to talk about what Draymond Green said after Harrison Barnes shot missed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Warriors, uh, the Warriors social media team posted this actually i don't know if they even knew what they were posting because steph gives draymond green one of those hugs and like a battle yell after a win and draymond green says this into a microphone basically or with microphones listening he says we've seen this movie before no! so <laughs> what's that movie what's that movie what's that, what's that movie? movie that's uh it's a dream for Cavs fans, obviously. It's a horror film for Warrior fans. And what he's referring to is <laughs> 9 for 29 Harrison Barnes. It's Harrison Barnes being sat out because he couldn't hit anything. And Coach Kerr had to sub in Festus Azilius. And that's where LeBron James goes on a six-point run, which basically won them the game yeah that's the horror story for warrior fans and that was the the dream of the Cavs fan so that's what Draymond Green was referring to (laughs) I feel kind of bad for Harrison Barnes because I know he's gonna see this clip he's gonna be shown this clip and like like you were saying before he's been through a lot he was there at the start of the dynasty this was a shot I'm sure he, he thought about late at night that he wished he nailed because honestly, if the Kings go up 3-1, headed back to Sacramento, Bruh. I don't know if I would feel very confident if I was on the Warriors it's playing along. Over, yeah. It's game over. But now it's 2-2, headed back to Sac, and we have this news. 
that dropped earlier today. It's Sacramento King star De'Aaron Fox has suffered a fractured index finger on his left shooting hands. Sources tell The Athletic at Stadium Fox is to be listed doubtful to play in Game 5 versus the Warriors. This was a tweet from Shams. JJ, what do you think about De'Aaron Fox potentially missing Game 5 here? Sad news for all NBA fans. Just because, without a doubt, this is the most exciting series of the first round. And I know Colin Coward said that this is like some Western Conference, Finals Conference, some NBA Finals, like temperament of the game. And I know that's a hot take, but I kind of agree with him, man. You know why? All of the big games last year, there were blowouts. Their series itself was close. A lot of game sixes, a lot of game sevens, but the individual games, there weren't that many close games. There were a lot of blowouts. So you had the Celtics and Miami series. That went to game seven, but with the exception of maybe game seven, blowouts. You had the Warriors and Mavs, almost all blowouts. And then for the Celtics and Warriors, like there were like a couple games, the mid games, like game four, for example, that wasn't a blowout, but everything else was a blowout. So it's just super exciting. It's high octane offense. And I love the analogy that John said last week, the Kings are the war- are the new Warriors. They're like the 2013 Warriors, super athletic. They're playing with high energy and they're doing things that we haven't seen before. So it's like, can Mike Brown outcoach Steve Kerr? That's the other element. You have the De'Aaron Fox coming out party and you have the OGs that could hold it down still. So all these subplots make it that much of a dope series and I love it. But to refer back to your question, but Darren Fox, because of the subplot, the the high stakes of the playoffs, it's just sad that he's listed doubtful. And I know Draymond Green he even said, eighty-five percent of each. There's no hundred. There's no player that's hundred percent in terms of health. Even though we want that, so hopefully Darren Fox plays. Um, it's. His index finger that's fractured on his shooting hand, though. And he was still balling. Yeah. He was still balling, Jin. But we all know, man, as old old men, when you have an injury, <laughs> it's not it's not the moment when you get injured where you're most in pain. It's when you wake up, you're swollen. Right. You're asking your girl to help you out of bed. It's that. <laughs> so we'll see how he is within the next 48 hours before tip-off. Well, hopefully De'Aaron Fox has a good significant other to help him out of bed after he scratches <laughs> his finger. But like, I, this is what's sad, okay? To me, De'Aaron Fox, like, you can't you can't replace what he does, okay? Like, Davion Mitchell, he's been good this series, but he's no De- De'Aaron Fox. I mean, last game, he had 38, 9, and 5. Like, these are just ridiculous stats. He had another game where he scored 32 points or maybe 36 points, I can't remember. But he's been... Just an absolute flamethrower and cooking people on the Warriors that aren't used to getting cooked. Like Draymond gets his turn to get cooked. 
Wiggins gets his turn to get cooked. Like that floater, yeah, in the mid, in the in the lane, that thing is like 100% accuracy. All it, you just expect to go in, and here's a hot take, Jin. Is this the version of John Morant where John Morant's supposed to be in two years? Dude, I was just about to ask this. That exact thing. If you were starting a team now, would you want John Morant or would you want De'Aaron Fox? And this is like this is a testament to how well John Morant or how well De'Aaron Fox has been doing. Because last year we were talking about possibly him being traded. It was it was stupid for the Kings to trade uh, Halliburton instead of De'Aaron Fox. And now he's like on this upper echelon of guards. He just won Clutch Player of the Year. Like, I think this is a valid question. Would you go with John Morant or would you go with De'Aaron Fox if you're starting a team? Oh, man. That's tough. John Morant has the wow factor. I'll say that. He has the human highlight reel. But what we're seeing with what De'Aaron Fox and what he's doing to the Warriors, I didn't see that with Ja last year when Ja did play against the Warriors. And to do that to... Like who you said, GP2 in game one, you have Wiggs, you have DiVincenzo, who is right. a great defender. Like they're throwing the kitchen sink at Darren Fox, and this dude just keeps cooking. So props yeah. to Darren Fox, man. Definite props, but if Darren Fox can't play game five, I don't know what their chances are. I know that the Warriors, they have been bad at home, so it makes it, or bad away. So it makes it sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. I know you don't like predicting games, especially when it comes to the Warriors, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. If this is a win, what what does what does this win look like to the Warriors? If the Warrior wins this, they're going to do it with how they executed game six last year in Boston. They're going to rebound. They're going to control the pace and Curry is going to do Curry things. That's my prediction if they do win. Now, if they don't win, it's going to be same old warrior story. High turnovers, no rebounding and basically losing in the fourth, which is what they've been doing for the past right. year. And this is interesting that you that you put rebounding kind of at the front, because this is the, the point where um, this has sort of been like the tipping point for the Golden State Warriors is that they've been losing the rebounding battle the first two games and they've kind of fought their way back with very valiant efforts from Kayvon Looney. Um, I want to say game three, he had 20 boards. Mm -hmm. Game four, he has 14 boards. But the surprise thing was that Draymond Green came off of the bench. Were you surprised to see that adjustment by Steve Kerr? I was when I did get the alert because Draymond is a man of ego and I don't mean that in a bad sense. You know that he's all about winning and he feels that when he's on the court, he's a he's a contributing factor of winning. He actually said that last year when he did get sit out of game four against the Celtics in the finals. Right. But when he did talk about it, it made sense, which game four, 
or game three, he saw that Loon and the Warriors, which they surrounded Loon with four shooters, they really voted well against the Kings, and he wanted not to be the one that messed up that flow. So right. that was great to see that. But for all the fans and the casual fans and people who've been watching the series who say, should they sit out Draymond or should they go with the same uh, tactic of him coming off the bench? The Warriors aren't going to do that because who closed out the game? Draymond. Draymond. Who started the third quarter? Draymond. Right. doesn't matter who starts, actually. It matters who finishes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I... The thing that was interesting is that I, I was listening to Draymond Green's podcast and apparently it was his idea. He's the one that pitched it to Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr was basically like super hesitant being like, uh, wait, what? Like, are you, are you sure? Like, yeah. this is okay if I do this? And he's like, yes, like, take a look at the film. Let me know what you think. I can wow. come off the bench if you need me to. Wow. For someone that's a multi-defensive multi like a candidate of the year, multi-all-star, to say that, it really says something to these young guys too. So I hope that the young players in the Warriors, they should know that even if they're not getting a lot of minutes, it's a team thing. It's about winning. It's, so I like the example that he said. I, I do like that because we've heard multiple reports of Kaminga being frustrated, Moody being frustrated. Right. When Jordan Poole gets um, put on the bench and not starting, we've heard reports yeah. of him being frustrated. So. I do love that. If you have a two-time MVP in Steph Curry coming off the bench last year, and now like what you said, the Defensive Player of the Year candidate coming off the bench this year in the playoffs, none of the bench players should be complaining. Yeah, but I absolutely agree. I, I want to go back before we move forward on the next topic about the Steph timeout. I know we're jumping back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, I got to ask you though, man. Let me, let me get a pull up in this pod right now. We got our video producer, RJ. We love you, man. I'm going to ask Jun. I'm going to ask RJ. Who do you put the blame on? Is that on Steph? Is that on Draymond? Is that on Clay? Or is that on the coaching staff? Oh, man. So you're talking about the timeout. like The timeout where Curry calls a timeout. That, that resulted into four points. The technical right. free throw and the, the Aaron Fox three-pointer. So I'm, I'm going to say, ultimately, it's Steve Kerr's fault. I'm, I'm going to say this, though. Damn. Curry should know. Correct. Curry mm -hmm. has been playing the game long enough to just know. Thing is, is that Steve Kerr also has to realize that as superhuman as Steph Curry may seem sometime, he's still human. He's still going to make mistakes. And in those moments where, where the game is getting really tight, mistakes are happening, you need to remind your players sometimes, right? And that would have been a good time to remind. Also, Steve Kerr, I don't know if that was the right time to challenge something. Absolutely. It was not with you only have one timeout left. Why do that? And I'm sure that like Steph Curry in his mind was thinking, hey, we must have two timeouts. We must have an extra timeout because otherwise, why would you be challenging this call so late in the game? Because we needed that timeout. So ultimately, I'm going Steve Kerr. RJ, video producer. <laughs> what do you think, man? It's Curry's fault. 
Ooh, <laughs> come on. Come on. Do, when Weber called that timeout, who do you blame? Well, he, Weber was hella young back then. But still, it's it, it, it Curry's fault. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. JJ, who, who are you blaming? Okay, I have a hot take. I'm going to blame it on Clay. Clay, Wiggs, and Draymond. Interesting. Oh, it, it's because he didn't have a trailer. He is that why? A, Draymond is the trailer, but you all, the guards are responsible for the release of the point guard when trapped. And Clay was already at baseline. Clay like shouldn't have been at baseline at all. Especially like for the two. Right, right. No, I like that. For for the listeners, um, what we're what JJ is saying here is basically when Steph Curry dribbles up the ball, mm-hmm. what happens is that he gets trapped. And the reason why he calls a timeout is because no one is in the backcourt with him. To help. He has, yeah. He has nowhere to pass this ball. And we're going to get an eight second count if he doesn't call a timeout. So JJ is blaming the other players because... They didn't do their job. They didn't do their job. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, I like that one, Jay. I like that one. But we're going to have to move on away from our beloved Warriors. We're going to talk about Sammy's beloved Clippers here. So the Suns are up 3-1. And it's been a disappointing series because it started off so well. It, it looked like it could be the best series, like the best first round series just because of the lore of Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant and how well Kawhi Leonard has been playing. But Kawhi Leonard is now out for game five and injuries have just been a part of Kawhi Leonard's career. I didn't think that it was going to strike so early in these playoffs. JJ, I have to ask you, he's already missed three. This is going to be his third game. He's going to miss the series. This might be it. It might be it for the Clippers. Okay, the Suns might close this out. Is this possibly the end of the Kawhi PG-13 run? From a personal standpoint, uh, it's a results-driven league. You would almost have to say yes. But, and the only reason that I'm saying but, Jun, is uh, Steve Ballmer just invested so much money into their new arena in Inglewood. And he needs to have those season ticket holders buy those PSLs, man. (laughs) And make sure that they buy them and help fund that arena. Yeah. That that stadium. And he can't do that without a player like Kawhi and PG as superstars. It's just very frustrating as an NBA fan to see a player like Kawhi Leonard not playing. And we've seen him over the season, man, just not play because of load management. They created all these rules for the CBA because of load management. And look at it. Does this further promote load management or does it hurt it? Dude, you're... Could, you could argue that did it help or didn't it help? Would it have been worse or better if he had load management you know this is this is definitely not in favor of load management um theorists right now just because like 
I think Stephen A said this, right? Stephen A was saying, like, now that Kawhi Leonard's hurt again, that Kawhi Leonard is, like, one of the worst superstars that the NBA has, like, ever seen. He did say that. And, like, I, I don't know if... At first, like, it kind of shocked me. I was like, why why would he say this? Because this guy has been an all-defensive player. This guy's a championship winner in Toronto. But, like, I sort of get it. Where it's like, this guy, there's it's, it's like this folklore of Kawhi Leonard now. And I haven't seen him be a superstar for one entire series in a long time. And I honestly think it might be the end. It might be the end for Kawhi and PG-13. And I don't know if I'm kind of out of line for saying this, but should Kawhi, like if he can't come back, should Kawhi just sort of hang it up after this series? Maybe just retire? The thing is, as fans, we always have hope. The Clipper fans, for goodness sake, had hope when the Clippers stole one on the road against the Suns for game one. Yeah. And I think all of us, especially Clipper fans like our boy Sammy, when Kawhi does play, he's incredible. MVP candidate level incredible. But it's just frustrating, man, that he plays game one, no sign of slowage. And then can you imagine Tai Lu the morning after the game? You're like, oh man, we're good. Kawhi's in yeah. his bag. <laughs> he guarded KD so well. We took one from the road. Now we just got to win at home. And he gets a text call from Kawhi's team. And it's like, oh, this dude's not playing. <laughs> yeah, man. You look pretty damn good to me, though. Dude, I know. It's it's you really know? heartbreaking for, for Clipper fans, especially like our homie Sammy. Is, is there any hope that the Clippers can somehow bounce back and win this series? Or is this pretty much said and done? With KD, Booker, CP3, and Aiden. I mean, the other side has it's, Westbrook. The other side has Westbrook, <laughs> and they have the deeper bench. The Clippers have surprised us in the past two years, beating teams without their superstars. The only difference this year is that you're going against those fools. Yeah. You're going against KD, for goodness sake. Arguably the best offensive player in the game today. KD hasn't even figured out how to play with these guys yet. Exactly. There's there's like a lot of a lot of motion offense that I see where literally he's playing the Miles Bridges role, which is sit in the corner and wait for the ball. And you have to think that as the playoffs go on and on, that he's going to be involved in every single action once he learns all the plays. And I don't know, man. It, it was just sort of sad just because, like, I also saw, like, Marcus Morris. Like, they had to insert him <laughs> back in the starting lineup. <laughs> and in Marcus Morris, like, fashion, uh, he was the worst plus minus, minus 19. Every time he touches the ball, he shoots it. I know when he has a hand in his face. They really had these lineups going right too with like Kawhi back in. It was looking really great for them. And and now I don't know what to think. So um, I guess we'll have to sit and wait and see if the Clippers, Sammy's Clippers can kind of climb their way out of this series against the Suns. Um, We got to talk about something else. We got to talk about Dame Lillard a little bit. 
Dame Lillard to New York. These rumors are spreading like wildfire, and I have a couple sources here. I'm going to I'm going to list them out here for you. Source one says there's no dots to be connected right now, but he's told me this. He also tried to get a courtside seat to a Knicks game, but they couldn't accommodate him. They couldn't get him a ticket for the seat that he wanted. The Nets were the only team that was able to accommodate him with a courtside seat. Source two to Brooklyn. The, the Lillard to Brooklyn smoke seems to be getting pretty real just parsing through various media definitely would not shock me at this point now with dame lillard and him saying like hey guys like if we're gonna go young if we're gonna draft young that's not that's not my style that's not my timeline anymore i would hope to kind of rebolster this portland team with veteran talent basically he didn't say those words exactly but he, he hinted at that do you think there's any truth to maybe Dame looking at New York as a possible destination next year? I think every single NBA player keeps his options open for a big city like New York. The New York Knicks are top two, top three revenue-driven franchises every single year. But, and this is a huge but the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, the Knicks are up and coming, but in order to get Dame, you're going to have to give up a lot. Are you really in a better situation leaving Portland? And what I mean by that, Jin, is are, are you going to be a championship contender if the Knicks give up all those assets for Dame? Or even yeah. if they keep that those assets and they somehow get Dame, do you see them competing against the Suns, the Bucks, the Warriors, the Celtics. Even with Dame, you would have to think, do these teams get that much better? But it's right. that, that's in a vacuum, man. The teams will have to give up assets to get Dame. And more than likely, they're going to have to match salary. And Dame's salary is not cheap. I absolutely agree. I, thinking about the Knicks and thinking about like the Nets, what they would have to give up. I mean, the Knicks, it doesn't make too much sense to me because Jalen Brunson, I mean, his contract is cheap considering for how well he's playing right now. I think he's on like a $25 million contract and Dame is at like 40. He's and like he's close balling. to 40. He's balling for that price point. He is absolutely ball. He's taken over that series. Up 3-1 against the favorite of the series, the Cavs. Yeah, and I, you know, I actually discounted I, I have to apologize to Knicks fans here me too I discounted on how well Jalen Brunson and also how well Julius Randle would stand up to the tall Cleveland Cavaliers I thought they were going to be more physical and just dominate them but the Knicks man the Knicks have been coming back with fury and with the Brooklyn next thing I don't know if like if Dame gets traded to Brooklyn Mikel Bridges and Dame like that doesn't do anything for me either. That just sort of feels like a Jeremy Grant mm -hmm. and Shaden Sharp Dame team. They're I don't think they're going to do better. They're not that much better. So let's talk about something that might be a little bit more enticing, which would be there's rumors that Dame may want to go to Miami and rather Miami has interest in acquiring Dame Lillard. And the trade would go something like this where Robinson, Hero, and Nikola Jovic, the other Nikola in the league, 
and a bunch of picks would be traded for Dame Lillard. Do you think that would be appealing to Dame, playing alongside Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, possibly, I don't know, maybe Kevin Love is, if he still sticks around, Max Struess. The, is that more of a contender and more of his speed? If Dame just gets another wing that could play two-way, like a Jimmy Butler, that would substantially improve his chances in competing. Yeah. And Jimmy Butler and the Heat culture, that's a match made in heaven. And Dame, no, no disrespect to Portland. Jun knows this. Portland was my second home. Used to visit yeah. multiple times a year. But it's a small market city. I'm sure Dame, if he's going to move, he's going to not only try to move to a contender, but to a city that could further promote his brand. And Absolutely. why not jump to the other coast, the East Coast, and go to the sunshine, Miami. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I, I would like to see that team. Um, I feel like Jimmy Butler has been missing that point guard star next to him. That's why they tried to get that older point guard star in Kyle Lowry, and that hasn't really worked out well. But also seeing Dame Lillard with a proper center like Bam Adebayo would be a lot more fun than watching a plotting uh, Yusuf Nurkic next to Damian Lillard. So I hope that happens instead, but we'll just have to wait and see. For our last topic here for tonight, we got to talk about this DeJounte Murray suspension. I know you saw this clip. Basically, during Game 5 for, versus the Celtics, DeJounte Murray literally walked up to a ref was saying something and kind of bumped his chest onto his shoulder the ref kind of looks back and like he almost didn't think that DeJounte Murray did that but DeJounte Murray had this like death stare like looking right at him Hell no. I have to ask you one is this does this warrant a suspension in a playoff game that's one. Two, if you're DeJounte Murray, why why would you even do this? <laughs> so your, your question two relates to question one, which, yes, absolutely, it warrants a suspension. You cannot touch the ref at all. And he didn't do it. He didn't. There have been players that have been ejected for less. Like, that was intentional with malice. Right. And it doesn't help that DeJounte Murray has had his fair share of hiccups this year. Displays of attitude. But we'll let we'll leave those alone because you could call those isolated incidences. But for him to obviously be pissed off, go up to a ref and touch the ref, you just can't set that an example for other players. It just shows, man, that the Spurs culture, it changes people. I guess it makes you, uh, it makes you play different and act different. And once people leave, they change, man. Their true colors, their <laughs> true colors no, come out, colors, dude. Man. <laughs> they, man, props to Greg Popovich, because like, he's definitely really good at hiding the crazy. 
because the crazy definitely comes out after they leave Spurs. Um, but this is sort of disappointing yeah. because the Hawks have been battling better than the first two games. The first two games, I think the Celtics had well in hand. The third game, the Hawks came away with the win. And this fourth game, sheesh, they only lost by like eight points. So it felt like that maybe Atlanta was trying to figure some things out and we're starting to play better. But now that DeJounte Murray is out, I don't think they even stand a, st- a chance in, these se- in this series. They, like they would need to win three straight, one without DeJounte Murray. And so, to be fair to DeJounte Murray, your game four performance, man, or game five performance was horrific in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, JJ, that's actually all we have time for tonight. I want to thank you for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Hey, man. Had a blast tonight. Shout out to our dudes, Sammy, John, and let's go playoff basketball. Definitely shout out to those guys and shout out to RJ, our video producer. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.